Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. Everybody's got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. <laughs> It's a 170. That was money. I think he's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Whitetail Legacy Podcast coming at ya. Oh, boy. You guys are... Uh, you're in for it this episode, man. What What do you think? What What are we really doing? I don't know. What man. are we doing? This episode was incredible, incredible. I mean, just blown away. Um, I mean, when we mo- say next level, this is what yeah. we're talking about Motiv- right here. Motivational, motive. I mean, just incredibly motivational for us. So many questions to be asked and answered. Mm-hmm. I mean. And just a rock, Robbie is just a rock solid dude. Yeah. And with a voice like that, man, <laughs> I mean, he needs to have a podcast. That voice would sell itself. Right. He could just go in there and talk about nothing and people would be like, <laughs> I got to listen to this. <laughs> but we, we talk about like people telling a story and how we connect to that. This guy can tell a story. I mean, and he shouts out some people that are helping him, but this guy knows how to break people and get the get the good stuff out. And he even did that to us on the podcast yeah. without even trying, man. He's right. over here breaking me down. I'm getting goosebumps and stuff, you know. And uh this I don't I don't know. You guys just check out Blood Origins, man. If you want to pause this episode right now and go go and and watch an episode of Blood Origins and then come back, that's probably a good idea. You should definitely do that. Yeah. Um real quick, we want to get in and say that 
yesterday on his page, he released, he wants content from people. He wants to try this out. He wants a five to 10 second clip. I think he's five to 15. Five to 15 of what hunting means to you. Um, I'm going to send him in the pic of my son finding a shed. Video. Video. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to send him a video of my fu- my son finding a shed because that's like the most more memorable, you know, thing I've had happen in the outdoors with my, my son yet. And me instilling the outdoor passion in him is, is kind of what I'm going for. You know, that's what it means to me. So he's wanting stuff like that. He said it could be working with a dog. Um uh, working with your kids, checking trail cams, whatever, whatever makes you want to, you know, whatever gets you out there to hunt is what he wants. And he's going to put this all together. He'll give you credit for your videos and it's going to be on an episode. That's going to be a sweet episode. Cause he said there might be people from South Africa, Germany, China, China. I mean, everywhere. all sending them stuff and we'll all be, we'll all, then you realize that everybody's out there Kind of for the same reasons, probably. You know, what I yeah. Mean? When it, when it all comes together, it would just be end. different background and yeah. eth- ethnicity and stuff like yeah. that. But the message will be, yeah. you know, thing, very yeah. similar. I think that's going to be awesome to to see. But oh man, Robbie blew us away on this one. This <laughs> one, this is a freaking awesome episode, guys. So we're we were we we're going to get to the people that make this possible pretty quick on this one. Um, it's the middle of the week on this episode. We both got to work. I got to be at work at. 5 a.m. That'd be a 4 a.m. wake up for me. Homie's probably going to go in about 9. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> He's got them banker hours. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. So um, we're going to start off with Ingram, guys. Uh, don't forget, Ingram, when you are when you get that buck down. I know we got a lot of local people in this area um, that are listening Give him a shot, man. Go check out what he's got going on. Check out his Instagram. Check out his Facebook. Uh, call the dude up. Go in there and check his shop out. See what he's working on. Um, he's a he's definitely got it going on. The last buck he put out looked incredible. I mean, he's just getting better and better every every buck he puts out. So when a guy can gain from deer to deer, he's learning a lot and uh, putting out an incredible product that's going to last forever. Unlike the buck I got on the wall with the with the loose <laughs> antlers. So, you want me to you want me to touch him because he's right above. Me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now we're we're gonna hit uh, ECW calls. I just talked to Jeff. He's getting all pumped up for uh, for hunting season, building shotgun blinds. Um, his shout out to his son just just went in and and did his sign up for the Navy. That's super cool. Um, he uh, Jeff shared the pictures with us. Um, father and son, both Navy. That's that's incredible. Yeah. So, Shout out to him. Shout out to Jeff for his service. Um, yeah, don't forget ECW calls, grunt tubes, uh, duck calls. Um, we just had, I just had a buddy of mine pick up the whiskey barrel duck call. I mean, that's a pretty custom product you're going to get anywhere. So don't forget ECW and all your hunting call needs. I can't wait to be grunting in a 160 this this fall with the, the White Tail Legacy podcast grunt tube. Mm-hmm. What do you want to talk about for the scent lock? What do you want to cover? I think we should cover the new sit- suit that you won. I was going to say, can we yeah. do that? So, yeah, so homie won a suit. Let's just end it at that. I didn't win anything. <laughs> Shout out scent lock on the, the drawing of the names on that. I think there's like nine homies in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, they did put a guy's name in there six times. Yeah. Um, 
my name was in there once and I won. So I won a, a full season or a, a full suit. Um, it's the Revenant. It's their newest late season suit. Um, it's all fleece. And um, I, that never wet technology sounds the, sweet the to me. Never wet. Sounded, I got a. I have that fleece late season suit, and when it gets damp, it gets. It you just can it's feel soaked. It. It's just soaked. Yeah. yeah. So that never never wet technology yep. is they that's gonna the, be super cool. They have the never wet on it. You know, it just beads up, and then um, it's also windproof by construction. I know that blew me away too um, when I watched that the, video. The fabric is knitted so tightly that the wind cannot pierce through it instead of just having like an extra layer to where, you know, it would crinkle or, um, you know, just add more weight or your range of motion would be limited. Um, it's just all built in right into the fabric. So, um, I can't wait to get this suit. Yeah. It's the Revenant, right? The Revenant. Yeah. So check out the Revenant. If you're looking for a late season, uh, suit for the guys here. And it's a bib. It's not a pant. It's it's a a bib. I I love love bibs, man. I love bibs too. I love bibs. That's super solid. I'm so jealous. Yeah. Last year when I switched, I I did the pant thing and that was the first pants I ever owned. Bibs are the way to go. And uh, because I was always a bib guy. Now now that I get get the late season bib. You get that chest warmer. You know what I mean? That extra (laughs) chest warmer. I love that. All right. Let's get in. Let's get into the, the mega, the O, the O, O Jiggle, the VIP. He's a second OG, right? He is. Yeah, he's a second. Uh, he's he's been with us from the start, though. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. has. He's been a big big booster of us. Yeah. Um, since the start, even I think even before the yeah. start, really. Yeah, can't can't thank Matt enough for everything that he does. VIP. Um, check him out, man. They're at Walmart. Um, get them why get them while they're there, man. They're selling out quick. I keep seeing post all the time on people last pack last pack they're not here yeah and they're all over trying to find them so get them while you can uh they are at our local walmart in galesburg if they still have them i know we bought a couple packs from there yeah i would say they're two down just from us yeah so so don't we think about we got a lot of we get a lot of questions so i just want to let's just shake this out right now we get a lot of questions about is the vet is it really worth it you know we hear that a lot and I don't. I want you guys to understand the stuff that we're repping. We we're not gonna waste our time repping something that we don't like. You know, we don't get enough cred from these guys to <laughs> do that. You know what I mean? So the veteran is one hundred percent worth it. I mean, that thing is a rock solid broadhead. And the only I'm, I think we should limit it to like one tip when we talk about the veteran, or one thing about it for a while, so it really dwells in people. So let's. I just want to talk about it. it's renewable. It's reusable. Yeah. You know, it's, um, we talked to one guy and he's like, well, if, oh yeah. I, I said, well, what are you shooting? He told me, he goes, well, I said, are you going to use it again? Well, no, it's a one, you know, it's a one it's shot. one timer. One broadhead. That's, that's not the veteran. This thing, shake it up, wash it out, break it apart if you got to, clean it up and go again. Um, a buck, a doe and a turkey last year, same broadhead. I mean, and I want to push the limits this year. Like I said, I want to go on doe patrol because- uh, some properties need it and try to get some on or on public almost let that out oh my gosh <laughs> my sneak my secret my secret public spot i almost let out but i'm gonna try to put some does down uh just to get practice filming um i got a lot of people that asked me to shoot does this year for them super excited to do that i'm gonna push the limits of a veteran and see i bet you i can get three or four does with one before oh, yeah before i feel and it's, then the best thing about it replaceable blades so yep. I mean that shaft isn't gonna bend. I guarantee you that. Yeah. So, all right, guys, we're gonna get into our VIP veteran broadhead shout out. We got Damon J. Trip. 
he was a staff sergeant for the Air Force. He won an outstanding achievement from August 23, 2005 to February 22, 2005. He distinguished himself by outstanding achievement to the military working dog handler. So this guy was a dog handler, um, has some incredible picks. He used his military working dog to conduct sweeps on a joint operation for Operation Everest. This guy used a, a dog to find bombs and, and contraband and weapons and stuff. So that's super incredible. Man. Super close connection with his dog. Um, the dude is just a stud. He's a guy that you do not want to mess with. You see no. his picture, you're like, oh, you do not want to mess with this guy. <laughs> this guy's legit. So right. we can't thank you enough, Damon. Um, this guy's also a big buck killer. Um, the last two years, he shot awesome bucks. Um, uh, he, he sent me some trail cam picks. Got some giants this year already. Dang. So uh, his dad shot a giant nice buck last year with a little flyer drop thing. Incredible. So thank you, Damon. We appreciate you sending in your uh, VIP shout-out for us. Can't thank you enough for your service and everything that you do. And uh, I think he still has some German shepherds now. Nice. So, yeah. So that, that That's dog, probably something that That never, dog passion yeah, still in right. there with him. So. Yeah. All right, guys. We're going to get right into this episode. I didn't leave anything out, right? No. Okay, no. we're good. I got, I got the word from the boss. We are good <laughs> to go. We are good to go for Blood Origins, guys. Hang on to your seat. Enjoy the episode. And after you watch this, or after you listen to this, you're going to need about four hours of uh, free time to watch all Blood Origin stuff, because you're going to want to. All right, guys, here we go. We got Robbie from Blood Origins on. Hey, man, thanks for coming on tonight. Hey, buddy, good, man. I, I'm, I'm happy to be here, and I uh, can't wait for the conversation. Again, I appreciate the, appreciate the invitation. Yeah, and then we got Homie in studio, as always. He's over there flipping buttons and switches. <laughs> I'm here. I'm ready yeah. to go. So man, yes, German and South African. That's that's an awesome mix, man. Like I was saying earlier, we sometimes we have a hard time distinction distinguishing voices on here, but we won't have a problem on this episode. So. I yeah, I don't think you'll have a problem. You know, South African and German, and there's the Australian side of me, but we don't like to talk about that side. That's the dark side of my family. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get right into it. I want to start off with talking uh, about your kind of your first episode and how you went in to your note with your grandpa, and then you just told us mm-hmm. about how he wrote down in books and stuff for you too. So just kind of go in and and tell a little bit about your grandpa. I would have loved to meet him. Yeah, he was a he was an exceptional man. He was um, he was somebody that you would you would you would definitely label old school. He was. Uh, Stubborn. He was uh, direct. He was everything an outdoorsman should be. You know, he he was born in Russia in 1912. He lived the he said he lived the mecca of two hunting paradises that this earth had to provide. One was the Mongolian Manchurian steppe and the Siberian tiger, where he cut his teeth on red stag, duck hunting, goose hunting. Pheasant hunting, I don't know if you'll ever find somebody, and I dare you to find somebody, I dare your listeners to find somebody who has hunted pheasants in China, can't hunt in China anymore, or even hunted pheasants in Tibet. This man did it, and he wrote stories about it. And so, you know, Blood Origins has a storyline narrative to it, and that's sort of the storyline that's in my blood that 
is carried from my grandfather. Um, he moved to the he moved to uh, Mozambique, Portuguese East Africa, in the fifties, and then lived twenty five years in the heyday of Africa, uh, in Mozambique. And my father was raised as a as a teenage boy in that in that environment. I just you know, I wish I was born thirty five years ago. Uh, sorry, thirty five years earlier than when I was born. Um, just can you imagine being raised as a teenage boy going into the hinterland of Africa for three weeks at a time? And your job, I, I mean, my dad was here a couple of a couple of weeks ago, um, and he told me a story. He's not very much of a storyteller. He's very introverted, really. But he told me a story of his job as a young teenage boy in camp was to uh, shoot meat for the camp. And so he would be, you would have to get up the earliest, because these guys were hunting, you know, elephants, day-long slogs for elephants. And so my dad would get up, he'd go outside of camp, shoot an impala, bring the impala back to camp. And they would take the liver out of that impala that he shot that morning, and they would cook it up with garlic and onions for breakfast that morning for the camp. Man. And that was his job. Wow, that's an incredible job. Man. And, uh, and so, yeah, my grandfather was this, 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 and my father were these, these hunters, and they experienced hunting like you and I probably will never experience. Well, I'll, let me, I'll, I'll retract that statement because to me, what I'm experiencing here in America is, is essentially Africa reincarnate, um, because of what I didn't have growing up. And so I was born in 78. Uh, born and raised, uh, raised in South Africa, no public lands to hunt, no public licenses, didn't really hunt at all. Uh, and interestingly enough, my grandfather and my father never told us or spoke with us about hunting because, and I haven't really answered the question why they didn't tell us, I, I can only surmise that it was because that it was gone. Uh, Mozambique had gone through a revolution in 74, uh, Pretty much all the animals had been cleaned out, either from a poverty perspective or from a civil war perspective. South Africa doesn't have any public lands, as I mentioned. And so as a kid being raised in a big city, I wasn't exposed to hunting. Essentially like somebody growing up here in L.A. or New York. Um, but when I was 16 years old, I watched the VHS. And the VHS, the title of that VHS was called In the Blood. And it was Theodore Roosevelt's fourth removed grandchild. I think he's about 40 today. Um, and he was using the, he was using TER's double side by side, uh, I think 600 nitro to shoot a buffalo. And I kept watching that film, watching that film. And I just came up, became obsessed with that film. And so, um, as a birthday present when I was 16, my grandfather said, I'll take you on a trip. And I said, I want to go hunting with him. And so that's what led to that letter. And I apologize, it took me so long to get to this letter, but that's the letter that you see in episode one of Blood Origins. And I still got it, like I've got it in my hand right now. And it's typewritten on that old school rice paper. And, and really, it just cemented home exactly, you know, what, you know, who I am. You know, and it, it starts out by saying, it's indeed a surprise to hear that you're keen to become a hunter. It must be, quote-unquote, in the blood. And so that's where everything started for me when it, when it came to this project, is that I've come to the States, 
I've got a family now. I've got two young boys. Everything that, and when you listen to the episode, I talk about this and that, what America has to offer, given where I came from, is not lost on me. And so the privilege of being able to hunt, and that's why I say, I've, in the episode, I even say this, I found Africa outside, and outside of Africa, I just happened to be in Mississippi. Because hunting now is available to me. I can explore those roots, the essential DNA that's coursing through my blood. And, I'm, and it's so important for me to do that because I want my two young boys to be able to experience everything that was denied to me growing up as a young boy. And let them make the decision when they turn 18 or whenever they, whatever they make their decision that they want to be hunters or they don't want to be hunters. So that's it. That's, you know, that's a good, that's a good kickoff into what blood origins is there for you, man. Yeah, man. Just even when you're talking like, but when I was watching the episodes, especially like I get chills when, you know, the letter, you know, is in the blood. I mean, that is just deep and, I mean, it's just, even with you just talking here, I just got, got chills. I was like, man. And then going back when you first, and you're talking about your father, you know, hunting Africa like that. I couldn't, I could imagine as that being like my job. That would be incredible and extremely hard, I would say. I mean, you're in Africa. I couldn't imagine the amount of predators that are there compared to the United States. You know what I mean? So you're out there hunting by yourself as a young man. And I mean, you got you got some cojones behind you. Go out there and shoot one by yourself in the morning for the camp. I tell you that right now. Well, n- not only that is, I mean, you're going out there and you're you're going out there to provide food. Yeah. Like this is the only way that you're going to eat. So you know, people in the hunting industry nowadays, you know, they got pressure on them to make a show and this and that. You know, back in the day, just like you're talking about, Robbie, um, that was the way to eat. You yeah. know, I mean, that's that's real pressure. Yeah. Well, yeah, my grandfather. At one point, my father was born at this time. My aunt was born. They were living in, in Harbin in Manchuria. This is northern China. And he literally was a hunter-gatherer. He didn't have a job. And he was hunting for the pox. He was, he was out of necessity being a hunter. You know, so he'd been there. He'd done that. He, you know, he had to hunt and trap, essentially, to make ends meet. Yeah, that's incredible, man. I know I know my grandpa did a lot of trapping for coon pelts and that's how he made a living when they were in their heyday. It was all he did was trap and provide coon pelts, you know. So I got a little bit of that. I got a lot of stories of it. I didn't get to experience it cuz by the time I was born the coons were, you know, pretty much worth nothing, but it's definitely awesome yeah. to sit around and listen to the stories of them and how, you know, just like back then in Africa, I'm sure the game was just insanely plentiful. Just like when he started hunting mm-hmm. coons, he said they were just, they were everywhere, you know? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we kind of touched about, uh, about blood origins there with, with your grandpa's story, but I just want you to kind of go into what, what it is truly about and what is the message that you're trying to send with, with your different videos. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's fairly straightforward. The Blood Origins is a storytelling documentary platform that is attempting to showcase the heart of who we are as hunters. 
And a lot of people have been asking me lately, it's funny, a lot of people have asked, like, what's the, what's the purpose? Like, you just asked me, what's the purpose? What, why are you doing this project? We're not doing it to make money. We're doing it to, to showcase the true nature of us as hunters. It's showcasing that you may think, and when I say you, I mean the general non-hunting mainstream audience. You may think that we are this bloodlusting, pooping, hollering type community. We're not. We have depth to us. We have heart to us. We have passion. We have there's so many reasons why we hunt it. And it's for adventure, it's for family, it's for heritage, it's for uh, escaping, it's for being in places that nobody will probably ever see or, or you know, put a human footstep into. And it's to kill an animal. And it's in that order, essentially. In that there's... there's we don't often... And unfortunately, the industry has, has sort of forced the hand of the people that are in it. We don't often get to showcase the side of what we're trying to show in Blood Origins. It's all about, you know, intro shoot close and it's done. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not showing people hunting. We're showing the side of why people hunt. And... It's, you know, I wouldn't be on this podcast if it wasn't resonating, right? It's, it's so, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's as if the outdoor industry doesn't know what to do with us. <laughs> We're just so novel, right? We're outside the box. We, we have a message that sometimes it's, it's almost uncomfortable. And we film it a little bit in that way. That it's like, I want to keep watching, but I'm just like, oh, in your face, right? And, um, and, and so we do it for a singular reason. And the singular reason is to reach across the aisle to a non-hunting mainstream audience to say, this is who we are. Yes, you're always going to have these guys way on the right that are going to hoop and holler and they're going to showcase pictures of, you know, a bloody deer um, and with a big fist pump in the air and whatnot, and, and you're just never going to change that. But there's this silent majority of us that knows that there's so much beyond the kill that it's unfortunate that we denigrate our social media feeds to this one image of us holding a dead animal versus there should have been 35 images prior to that dead animal explaining why you did what you did, why you were in the landscape, and that ultimate result was that animal. And then even post that animal, you know, and when I post meaning after the animal, talk about or showcase what you use the animal for, the food, the, you know, the skin, the memories, 
you know, are you talking about it with your kids, what it meant to you kind of thing? That's what Blood Origins is. Blood Origins is, 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 is the name itself explains the origins of our blood, the origins of who we are and why we function the way we function as hunters. Yeah, I got a couple things off of what you just said. I that I relate to that stuff, man. And when I watch your videos, every one of them makes me think, you know, what what kind of hunter am I? What kind of hunter do I need to be? Because I got two boys that are, you know, hopefully going to be into hunting. You know, what do I want to teach them? You know, but one thing that I watched from your videos, and you kind of touched on, but you said it openly, the videos are for people who don't hunt which I liked, you know, I hunt, but I still enjoy your videos, but you are putting an a incredibly good message and voice and face to people that don't hunt, that don't, you know, don't, maybe they're from the city or maybe no one in their family does it and maybe they're not against it, but they just don't know what it is. And they watch your exactly. videos, you know, and they can say, okay, there's a lot more to this than I thought there was, you know, there, it's just not a bunch of guys going out with guns and, shooting a bunch of deer, you know, they're, they're feeding their family, they're, they're teaching, they're making memories, you know, and, and just like you said, people get, even people that don't hunt that I talk to, I work in the construction field and there's still people that don't hunt, you know, and I tell them, you know, when you shoot a target animal or whatever, of course you're excited, you know, you've worked, this is what you've worked for, you know, you're trying to achieve this goal, but it's like bittersweet because then the story ends. And well, why wouldn't you tell that story, though? Yeah. Why, why, why would... Here's a crazy idea. There's a picture of somebody smiling ear to ear because they have this animal in front of them. Why not explain what the smile represents? Yeah. People are associating that smile with the death of that animal. Why not associate the smile with what you just said? All the hard work, all of the effort and the time it took, everything. That smile represents a accomplishment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even flip the script and don't take a picture of you smiling, but take a picture out of reverence, out of respect for that animal and sort of flip the script to say, hey, I'm going to take a picture of me showing respect to this animal that I just allowed me to take its life so that it can sustain my life and, you know, my kids, my family, my friends, the the people I give the meat away to. Yeah, I feel you there. We, I think we need to do that, man. Yeah. I Uh, think... I'm going to say, I know we had talked about, um, you know, with our filming that we're going to be doing this fall... Um, you know, showing more of the food aspect uh, yeah, and showing, you know, incorporating that. Where showing the family aspect, showing the food aspect. You know, and and just like you said, it, in the industry, just like you said, you're kind of like they don't know what to do with you, right? Well, right. if we did that, I don't think they'd know what to do with it either, because there's no one out there that's doing it like you. But you inspire me to say, you know what, this is, you know, in in my mind, I just like I automatically think that everybody's a hunter, right? So I just automatically think that people understand understand that instead of explaining it like you do. But you know, you I you put the drive in me, man. I'm going to 
I'm going to make sure and explain that because I know there's someone that's on my social media feed that isn't a hunter that maybe doesn't understand why, you know, I'm sitting behind a buck I just shot or something. You know, there's so much more. Go ahead. No, no. Or I would say I'll challenge you to, you know, you've got to, you've got to provide context and narratives to that piece. And I would then further challenge you to say, build it, build a story wrapped around that, image you know maybe you know maybe even challenge yourself to say okay i'm going to i'm going to post a picture of a harvest but i'm going to do it in such a way that it's not the typical grip and grip and i'm going to start with that post and then you're going to sort of turn 360 degrees and say okay let me show you what it took for me to get to this point yeah, I like that idea a lot, mm-hmm. man. That's incredible. Yeah, because then you're you're reaching. I mean, you're you're not just showing the B roll bucks coming in. You shoot it, you know, and then that's it. You get to show what what everybody goes through that's never shown. You know what I mean? But right, which which plus, the older I get, you know, yourself, plus you differentiate yourself from the thousand other intro shoot close pieces out there yeah for sure yeah and uh, cody i think we're on um that path already with with the stuff that we've been recording already you know us hanging stands us getting both the boys out there um even if it's just walking around the piece uh, or um getting them you know to check the trail cam you know get them up in there show them what it is and try to explain to them hey this is what takes the pictures that we look at when we're at home you know um, so I think that we're definitely on that path and I think that's the way we're going to go. I think that's the way we need to go. I think you've just, me and, me and homie have been sitting around talking about how we wanted to do this, you know, and we've been filming awesome. some stuff, you know, and just talking to you, I think we found our path of what we want to do. I mean, this, we're both dads now and the older I get, the more I relate to, you know, when I was young, I wanted to see, I wanted to see a big, a big animal get shot. And that was it, you know, but now I'm, I relate to the story. I relate to the kids being out there or there's so much more to it than, you know, 10 years ago when I was hunting, I was like, you know, I just, I just want to, you know, want to see a kill shot and that's it. But I think people go through that stage, you know, and then I think if they seen, you know, guys like you and maybe if we can get something wrapped up. It's definitely not going to be as good as quality as you. <laughs> right. I can guarantee you that. We're going to give it a heck of a shot. But uh, but uh, if we can get something like that and showcase it, and show what you know, what we really, what you really go through. You know, mm-hmm. I was talking to mm-hmm. homie, and I said, you know, I don't. I, I told him I want to log the hours that I have in stand this year. You know, I want to log that and put that out there. Like, okay, here's this animal that I harvest. You know, here's a hundred plus hours, you know, to get there, you know what I mean? And that's something that we were talking about and we wanted to, we wanted to keep a hunt journal, you know, we're going to both do that this year. That's something we've never done, you know, just to show people, you know, you know, this was the, the, the conditions and, you know, I've been, I hunt, this is my 40th day hunting or something, you know, and, and build that storyline a lot better than if we just come in, kill shot, you know, victory pose or whatever you want to call it and then move on. So I really right. appreciate you coming right. on, man. I think we found a path that we want yeah. to go on, you know. Well, Robbie, one no, thing I, I want to 
one thing I want to touch on is, um, you know, I shot a buck uh, last fall and I didn't find him right away. And, you know, I've got a couple mounts at home on the wall. And when I was watching your episodes, um, you know, one thing that that just kept I kept thinking about while I was watching them was um, how much I wanted to bring that buck home to show my kid. And, mm-hmm. you know, because he's seen them on the wall, you know, they're all nice and pretty, just sitting there chilling, hanging out, and he gets to look at them. You know, I get to lift him up there, and he gets to pet them. But he hasn't seen them come home, feel dressed, you know, blood on the antlers, mm-hmm. or, you know, coming out of the mm-hmm. snout. Um, so that, mm-hmm. that was one thing that I wanted to really do, not just, you know, like you said, not just to take a picture with, be like, hey, look at this animal that I shot. I wanted to bring it mm-hmm. home and get um, the experience for my son to to see that side and in, in the process that it goes through you know get that ingrained to him at a young age and that was just mm-hmm. one thing that kept coming into my head as i was watching your episodes how old are your kids um he is two and a half and then i'll have a newborn in november <laughs> good 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 so that, that, man that's awesome um you know i've got a six-year-old and a five-year-old and uh I was I I went through a lot of deep thought about how am I going to introduce to my sons to the fact that I'm taking the life of an animal. It was extremely something I was I was very keen to make sure I did correctly. I was, I was, I, I really thought through what, what's it going to mean? What am I going to say? How am I going to do it? What are they going to take away from it? And so what I did with the boys last trapping season, uh, I started them going out with me and laying the traps, explaining what I'm doing with the traps that we're, we're trapping, you know, coons and possums, explaining why we're doing it. And we're doing it to protect the quail eggs and the turkey eggs so that they can, you know, the mothers can have babies and whatnot. And then I brought them out after a night um, and went on the trap line. And I knew I was going to kill a coon with them. And uh, I'd already thought through exactly what I wanted to do. And I knew exactly where the trap was. I knew as I drove past the trap, I knew that there was an animal there. And I really didn't make a big deal of it. I got out the car, um, went up to the coon, shot the coon. Again, I didn't want to do it. If you've done any trapping, and I don't want to assume anything from you guys, but you know, shooting a coon in the head, it goes a little ballistic in terms of just, it's not, it's, it's a visceral reaction, right? Because the nervous system, goes on hyperdrive it's instantaneously dead but it goes on hyperdrive and it's not a pleasant thing to look at versus a quiet heart shot and the animal uh you know dies because of a loss of 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 blood pressure and so i didn't even tell my kids what i was doing and i shot the tune and they got a they got a surprise because a gunshot went off and then i brought them over and i said hey daddy just shot the the coon and they saw it and then we explained and we brought it out the trap and whatnot. And from then on, I was very comfortable. I then graduated to, you know, shooting it in front of them. Um, but it was it was something I really thought through a lot because you never know what that first impression 
is with your kids, right? And, and especially for me, you know, I wanted it to be something I did right. Uh, I didn't want to make it a joking matter. I didn't want to make it a trivial matter. I wanted to make it a, a, as serious as it's supposed to be. Yeah, I feel you there. That's kind of, we, we've asked this question a lot, you know, like how'd you get your kids outdoors or, you know, what'd you break them in with? And my, I have a three-year-old, almost three-year-old in October, and he understands when we eat deer that I, I have shot the deer, you know what I mean? And he, yeah. and there yeah, for a yeah. while, there for a while, he wouldn't eat anything that I didn't shoot. It was, it was weird. <laughs> so we'd be having like a steak and he'd be like, you know, did you shoot this? And I'd have to tell him yes. So he would eat it because <laughs> <laughs> trying to get a, trying to get a two-year-old to two and a half-year-old to eat supper, you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, he went through that stage, and then we t- we asked that a lot, you know, how how did you get your son outdoors, or what did you do to, like, ease him in, you know? And a lot of people start yeah. with small game like you did. I think that's a really good route. Yeah. And I think, like, you did, like, anybody that has trapped, when you do shoot an animal trap, you know, it isn't a pleasant sight, but it's something that needs to be done. You know, you have to trap those animals to to have a population of other animals, you know? And yeah, coons yeah, and possums yeah. are huge egg eaters. I mean, I don't think people realize how many eggs they eat. Um, right. But uh, I think you did it right, man. That gave give us some ideas of how, because we're going to well, be breaking you, our sons in kind of the same time, you know, the two oldest yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a couple of other ideas that were really good. Cut Strickland, one of the episodes that we did, gave me this idea, and it worked like a charm. Um, so we started the, the two boys on daisies, right, BB guns with open sights. Yep. I don't want them shooting scopes. I want them shooting open sights so that they get no open sights. Coach Strickland said, uh, blow up about eight or nine balloons and put them all together. And you then get them shooting at the balloons. And so there's a, a, a reaction to them hitting a target instead of you trying to find a hole and whatnot. And it's really, you know, something that you can say, hey, shoot the balloon and pop it goes. And it's a really large target as well for them to look through. So that was one um, really cool suggestion. And I will tell you, you will know when you get it right because uh, I, I went to dinner with my wife and the two boys and uh, it was coming up on my wife's birthday. This was last year. And I was con- trying to convince my wife that I needed to buy another gun. And <laughs> Good I luck. I it. I was couching it that it was going to be her gun, right? Oh, yeah. This was her gun, and she needed a gun, and I'm explaining this to her. And our then five-year-old turned to my wife and said, Mom, you don't have a gun? And he's got a, he's got a BB gun at this stage. <laughs> and she goes, no. And without any flinching, and I wish I had this recorded, but it wouldn't have been as innocent as, as, as it was. He said, how are we supposed to kill the deer? Yeah. And then he followed it up by saying, how are we supposed to eat? That's cool. And man. I was just like, oh, my gosh, right? Yeah, that's what you want to instill in them. Yeah, that's what you want to instill in them. And then you got then you got the gun, didn't you? She's caved. <laughs> I guarantee it. Oh, oh, yeah, no, I got the gun. Yeah, <laughs> she, <laughs> she caved. That's, a, that's what I do. I'm like, hey, go tell mom that you want to go to this place <laughs> and eat supper or something. That works every time. My wife don't listen to this, so I'm I'm, I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, Robbie, you know, I, I think you've done a good job, um, you know, with, with your trapping story that you said about that. Um, I know the very first time that I went deer hunting, um, I was in sixth grade and I, I just went and sat with my dad in the stand. You know, I didn't have a gun or nothing. I was just going to, you know, to get the experience. And he had shot a doe that morning. Um, and I, I can't remember if it was still alive or if it was, um, you know, suffering and we had to get down and, um, finish it out. But at that point in time, my dad handed me the gun and he said, all right, now this is the time where we're going to see if you got it or if you don't. So, you know, um, he said, because if you go and you, um, shoot an animal and it, you need to do the right thing. You know, you need to, um, in the suffering. So he made me shoot that deer in the head at about five yards away just to, you know, to get it over with. And then, you know, at that point in time, I, you know, I did it and he said, all right, you know, now you've got it in you. So I know if, if you go out on your own, you know, next year that if, if you come across this situation that you're going to have the guts to do it and, you know, it's the right thing to do. And, um, hard was, thing to do though you it know is. what i mean yeah especially for someone that's not you know not used to that or you know it, there's there's the harsh reality of what it is you know and then it's the harsh reality of what you need to do to to get the meat you know to mm-hmm. get that animal right and i've only had to do it one other time and of course it was i think 2 years ago when i had the wife with me yeah um doe come in and she mm-hmm. just dropped and then I, you know, we sat there for 10 or 15 minutes and I told the wife, I said, we got to get down and, and get this done. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? I said, if you don't want to look, yeah. just turn away, you know, and, but it, it's, it, it is the, hopefully it's a rare occurrence like it has been for me, but you know, right. you, you got to do what you got to do. Um, right. you, you had that episode uh, about your wife. Have you, has your wife hunted at all now? No, no. She has she not has, hunted at all yet. Never fired a, she has actually never fired a weapon. Wow. I got my wife into hunting um, a few years ago. She kind of had the drive to go because her brothers went, but I, her brothers mm-hmm. never took her. And then I ended up taking mm-hmm. her, and uh, she ended up shooting a nice deer, and then she doesn't really hunt very hard anymore. <laughs> 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 she doesn't like cold weather, and we got a lot of cold weather up here. You guys down in Mississippi... Your 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 rut's like sixty degrees, right? Uh, it's it's it can get pretty cold down here, man. A lot of you know it's funny. A lot of the northerners say, "Oh, it doesn't get cold in Mississippi." I can tell you what. I had a girl from Minnesota come down as a PhD student of mine. She swore to me she has never been as cold as she has been in Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> it gets cold in Minnesota. I know that. Yeah. So because all it because it's so damp here, man. It's just like it gets. Um, it's just, it's like just above freezing and humidity is in the 60%, 70% range. And it's just, it just gets to your bones, man. It's just oh, yeah. Really well, Robbie, um, there at the beginning, you know, you, you talked about kind of um, where you've come from and kind of how you're made up um, <clears throat> as far as your father and your mother. Uh, and, and I know you mentioned this in, I, I believe it was your first episode, and it was something that really um, you know, struck me because you don't hear it very much, but what does it mean to you to be an American? God means everything, man. Um, 
I was actually talking to a veteran earlier today, and you know, again, I don't want to assume anything on anybody, uh, but I think a lot of people take for granted what you guys have, what we have here in America. You know, given where I came from and what was available to me, and or what wasn't available to me, and then you come to America and you see, you know, what we have. You know, it's not lost on me. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to be an American citizen. Um, I love everything about this country. I wish, you know, I wish I could have done more, but, uh, you know, I'm obviously coming here as a foreigner and now an American. But, uh, yeah, it means everything to me. I can't really say it better than that. Yeah, just like you said there, I do think it is something that people do forget or, you know, um, one place that I really see it is like at work, you know, we have kick-ass benefits, uh, uh, retirement that you won't even believe. And, you know, people want to want to complain about the day-to-day grind, but they're not thinking about the stuff later or how lucky and fortunate we really are. And I think it's the same way with uh, American citizenship. Like people want to complain and, um, you know, talk bad about whatever it is. But, you know, there's stuff that you can do and, um, you know, to, to maybe help your situation. And I think it just gets lost and people just want to be complaining about something. Right. So when your your neck your uh second season just came out right are your your two episodes deep yep. or three two so We're actually um yeah two episodes deep into season two so uh what what was your favorite episode of season one and then i'm gonna tell oh. you my favorite episode <laughs> um man it was so it was just it was good ones all across the board right and, and we went to some really cool places. I'll, 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 I'm going to catch the answer in two ways. The favorite episode that I got to film was Cud Strickland. And the reason being is that my dad was here at the time. And what nobody knows, if you look very, very carefully into the intro theatrical trailer that we have online, you won't see it in the episode. You actually, no, you won't see it in the episode. But my dad, probably the, the first and last time I hunted with my dad. And I hunted with my dad at Cuz Strickland's place. And Cuz was with us, and my dad shot a doe, and the story was incredible. He killed it. He shot it right through, right through the heart, exploded the heart. The man hadn't shot a gun in 50 years. And, and that was it. That was my one and only hunt probably ever with my father. And Cuz was there to experience it with me. So from, a, from an episode filming perspective, Cousin's was my favorite. However, from an episode release perspective, my favorite is Joanna. And the reason why I say Joanna's is because Joanna's was a big, it was our first big swing out of left field. Yeah, it was out there, man. I loved it. It was, I was like, whoa, this is, this is deep. It was whoa. And it was me getting mad a little bit. You know, I was like, this is a message that I want to send to people to say, this is us. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're not these. We're not a community of you know Midwestern white white guys, middle aged white guys. You know, there's there's a lot more behind us, and, and here it is. So, and Joanna's I th- Joanna's actually did better than Cousin, which is funny. Uh, mm-hmm. It's funny and it's not because it again just shows that it's that taboo topic, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's that taboo topic yep. that everybody thinks about but no one talks about they're like this guy's talking about it we gotta we <laughs> yeah. gotta watch this so what's your favorite cody i i really liked cousins man the emotion that he showed when you gave him those pictures Ooh, and stuff man. man dude i just i cannot believe he hadn't seen that picture yeah before. that I know. blew my dude, mind I'm getting goosebumps right yeah now. I, I just got goosebumps <laughs> thinking about it too man it's just that episode was I really like I I knew cuz I knew the name right I knew the face cuz I've right. seen him but I like I feel like I know him so much better now mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's just with your films you get to know the guy you know you you get to see the I I don't want to say I don't want to use I don't want to ter- use the word celebrity but that's what you see you see the TV guy right you don't yeah. see yeah. the guy with his family with his wife and kids and the emotion that he shows and then going way back when they first started, you know, and, and just hearing a little bit of that story. Those are the guys that, like, without them, me and Homie would never film hunts. I mean, those are the guys mm-hmm. that started that, you know. And then mm-hmm. I really like Will's, yeah. Will Primo's, too, because I've, I've, I've followed that guy forever. Um, that was another awesome episode. But it's hard to beat Cuz's emotion in that episode, yeah. man. I mean, that was... Well, Cuz's is interesting. Cuz's was cool in that... I'll give you a little bit of behind the scenes. Um, Cuz, you know, with Cuz and Will, I didn't want to capture the same story everybody had heard multiple times based on other videos or other things, right? And so I needed something to, like, have a... I needed a catalyst to send them off into this, this other storytelling realm. And I actually worked with Cuz's daughter behind the scenes, I said to Lauren, I said, Lauren, I need you to find me a photograph. I need a photograph that if I show Cuz to tell me what's in this photograph, it'll break him. And I'll get what I need. And what nobody knows, and, and that's the beauty of post-production, is that the opening scene of the episode was actually the last thing we filmed. Uh. So up until that point, he had had some good we had recorded some really awesome stuff. You but cracked the shell. I thought, <laughs> I, I thought I didn't, I was like, man, I just didn't get it. I didn't get what I was hoping for. And so then I sat down next to him and, and, and what you, again, what, if you've seen all the episodes, you don't often, you don't ever hear me. No, no. In, no. A, in the interview. But in Cousins, it opens, you hear me in the opening. Because I sat down next to him and I asked him, I said, I'm going to show you a series of photographs. And I just want you to tell me the first thing that comes into your head when you see the photograph. And so that photograph that I, I handed over to him right away, and I told Drew, my cameraman, who really, if you have to put any shine, uh, accolades, anything about Blood Origins, it's to, it's to my, my camera guy, and, and he edits the same thing. His name's Drew Seals, and it's a little production company called Lazy Lab Productions. He's just amazing, but... Shout he just, out I to just Drew. Said, start recording. Yeah. yeah, shout out to Drew. Start recording. Put the record button now. And then I handed it to him, and it just was like, boom. 
Yeah, it was incredible, and we've got man. Stuff that we haven't even released. That was also just as incredible, man. man. Yeah, it would be hard to go through and, but yeah, that episode, dude. I was like, oh man, this is, this is it. This is this is what you know. This is what we all do, but never show. You know, this is us. You know, and that's like you said, it's mm-hmm. in the blood. I think it's in everybody's. It's in the blood. It's in everybody's blood. But just like you say, people don't show that stuff. It's like whether they're scared, you know, because they don't want to let that out, the personal stuff out, or what, you know, whatnot. But Yep. I dig yep. it, man. And shout out to Drew because him, the story and the emotion was awesome. But then the way you guys film it with the music that you add in, I mean, that just gets mm-hmm. you even more like on the edge. You're like, I don't even know what I'm watching right now, but it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and like you said, you like to push the limits on how you film to kind of get that edgy feel. I don't, I don't know what type of, st- I was like, I, t- I was telling homie about your stuff, you know? And I was like, I can't tell you what style of film he he does you just have to watch it because i don't there's not like a category for it you know mm-hmm. yeah i would say you know passion cinematography drama intimacy connectedness you know i want somebody to be drawn into that that phone iPad, the computer, wherever you're watching it, right? I want you to, at, from the first time you see that person's face, I want you not to want to walk, to sort of look away, right? You're just like mesmerized because we get close, we look at eyes, we look at mouths, we look, you know, you know, we sh- we shift the image left and right. Um, and uh, I, w- I will say this: I, I can't take complete credit for the. the the way that we filmed, because I was inspired by a documentary platform called Iron Second. Have you ever heard of Iron Second? No, no, I haven't. When you get off this podcast with me, and I'm going to warn you now, <laughs> you open up the first Iron Second you're going to open up is. Oh, jeez, what's his name? Hamilton, I think it's his last name. He's a pitcher for the Texas Rangers. I Am Second is a in-your-face Christian testimonial documentary. And uh, I'm going to see if I can find it very quickly as I Google on my phone. Um, Josh Hamilton, I Am Second. When you get off this podcast, you're going to watch it, okay? Okay. And when you watch it, you're going to want to watch another one. You're going to want to watch another one. You're going to want to watch another one. And that's what I wanted to capture with with Blood Origins, is that it was the, the, you'll see the way that they film it is is exactly how we film. It's in your face. Yeah. And it's a storytelling documentary about uh, Christian testimonies about people and, and how they came to faith and how they came to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, cousin was awesome, man. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Love Joanne. I love them all, man. You know, they're all my babies. Oh yeah. And I get really <laughs> nervous. I get really nervous going into an interview because I don't know what I'm going to get. And Drew laughed at me all the time. He said, "Man, what's why are you so nervous?" I said, "Because I'm not in control of this." Yeah. It's like it's all on that person. And then once we finish the episode in the cutting room and we watch it, and it's just like, oh, this is going to be so good. Yeah. People are going to love it. 
Same thing about like this podcast. Every time we have someone <laughs> on, you know, or an in studio guest, we're always like, ah, oh, man, we gotta, we gotta get this right. You gotta make sure everything's going good, and you get that nervous. And then about ten minutes in, I'm like, okay, yeah, we're going. This is good. This is good. You know, you just get those those jitters because you're trying to produce something for people, you know, to enjoy. Right. So, right. You know, I really liked uh, Paulie's episode. Or yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Is yeah, you know, just because it was so different, you know, um, obviously she's a woman and then um, she wasn't taught by her dad or her grandpa. You know, she was taught by her mom. And yep. it seemed like one thing that was really instilled into her was, you know, conservation. And, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that that was really important. And um, to be honest, Polly just looks like a stone cold killer. Yeah, yeah. you know, like you don't know, you don't want to mess know, with Polly, right? right like yeah. she'll, she'll shoot your ass at hundred yards. Um, yeah, so Polly is Polly's awesome, man. I'll give you a couple of tidbits about Polly. Polly was actually a student of mine when I was a professor at Mississippi State. Um, so we stayed in touch. Uh, she is really 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 staunch conservationist she's actually she actually sits on the wildlife conservation committee for safari club international um her mother you get a little bit of this in the episode but her mother is a stone cold turkey killing machine like lynch the i don't know if you've ever heard of a turkey call called the lynch uh mike lynch is foolproof it's a box call foolproof Lynch box calls. That Lynch box call, the, the foolproof, was actually used to be called the Miss Polly. Miss Polly is Polly Anderson, Polly's mother. Wow. Because she could run that box call, and she said it. She would put it behind her back and show Mike and say, saying, look, it's foolproof. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how they got the name, huh? That's it. Nice. I hope I get to a day yeah, where I can cool run. Yeah, you get cool stories, man. Yeah, you get to hear all the cool stories, man. One thing I will say is like you you were saying like uh you try to like you just keep you want people to keep watching episode after episode after episode. I got a couple examples of that. I was like, you know, I've watched some of them, but since I'm going to have them on, I'm going to brush up again, you know. Go all the way back from season 1. So I got a 3-year-old screaming running around. <laughs> I got a, I'm holding, rocking a baby, a three month old, you know, and I'm like four episodes deep already. And I'm like, holy smokes, you know, I'm like, what time is it? And then I messaged homie a while back and I was like, man, you got to check this, this guy out. And I'm then messaging back, you know, maybe two or three hours later. And I was like, How, what do you think of me? He's like, oh, I watched the whole first season. This is awesome. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. So you're caught up already, but. Yeah, I was super stoked when I seen that your second season was coming out. You know, just when, you know, just what we're doing here with the podcast, you know, and um, we're going to have somebody on. So, you know, just like Cody said, we we try to do our research, try to get stuff to talk about. Um, I go into thinking Blood Origins. I'm like, okay, you know, we're going to just murder and everything, you know. And it's totally, it's totally not that. So, you know, I did the first episode and I'm like, all right, you know, next one, we're going to be hammering something, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, I'm just waiting for it. And then, you know, it never comes. And I'm like, man, dude, now my brain is just thinking of all these different things, you know, um, the meaning of hunting and, uh, we you know what it means to me, what I want to do with my kids, you know, it, it immediately just turned uh, it, yeah. 180 degrees. It makes you think more than any other hunting yeah. or hunting related 
videos. Like you're sitting there after an episode, you're like, wow, man. I mean, there's so many questions that were asked by myself when I was watching this that I can't answer, you know, and then you got to think about it. And even if the guy answers on there, you're like, well, I mean, that's, that's a solid answer, but is that, <laughs> is that how I hunt? You know, is that what I want to do? It really makes you think like, looks like you're saying you're filming out of the box. So you're thinking like, you're just, you're way out there. Like, man, this is extreme mm-hmm. stuff. No, no matter how far you put that screen in front of your face, their face on the screen yeah. never gets <laughs> any farther yeah. away. All right. So we've been talking about being outside the box. Um, season two is out. So kind of, if you want to give a little sneak peek to the listeners of what they might uh, have, you know, in the future to watch. Yeah. Yeah. We, so we don't like to give much of our secrets away. Uh, because I think that's the beauty about Blood Origins is you never know what's coming, right? You never know if it's going to be a really famous person or a complete unknown or even, and from a season two perspective, you don't even know if the next episode is actually even going to be a hunter. So we obviously launched with Jason, Jason Hairston, the CEO and founder of QU, um, a lot of the, maybe the, the deer hunting audience may not know about QU, but uh, mountain hunting company, mountain hunting uh, apparel company specifically tied to, you know, adventure sheep hunting. Incredible guy, uh, incredibly passionate about sheep hunting, the sport, the adventure of it. Um, it was an incredible episode. And, for, you know, we've got some epic B-roll in there. But uh, unfortunately, we didn't shoot that B-roll. Somebody else did. Yeah, that, <laughs> but the landscapes are just incredible. Yeah, that, right? that video. Can you imagine is, hunting in that landscape. Oh man, it's epic. I was telling, I was telling homie, I'm like, just to travel there and hang out would be incredible. What, let alone hunt. Yeah, no, we did not go there. <laughs> we went to Southern California, and uh, we filmed him in in his office in Kuyu. Um, and I think that's an important point that maybe your listeners don't know about is that one of the elements that makes Blood Origins, I know, I feel makes the stories as authentic as we possibly can make them is that we film the story in the place that is meaningful to that storyteller. And I'm not going to sacrifice that element of Blood Origins, uh, even though it's costing me an arm and a leg right now. But it's just, it's part of the story. So for Jason, we talked about filming it in the Yukon or filming it on a mountain. But then he started talking about how passionate he was about Kugu and his company and what he had done for, with the company. And I said, it sounds like your passion is in your company. Why don't we just film it in your office? And, and he loved the idea. Um, but every other episode is filmed in a place that is very meaningful to that, to that individual. Uh, funnily enough, season one, my episode, we couldn't film it in Africa, so we recreated Africa. So that's why we did the fire scene. We recreated Africa, essentially, in <laughs> Stonetown, Mississippi. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, season two, we're, we, we are definitely wanting to push the envelope of diversity, of the variety of stories, and surprise people with some stories that come from non-hunters. Uh, so episode two was my wife. My wife does not hunt. My wife has never shot a weapon. 
but it's important to hear from a non-hunting individual what their perspective is of hunting. And, and this is something important to realize when you watch her episode and you watch future non-hunting episodes, which we have coming in season two, uh, some of which are very famous individuals that you have seen but have never heard of. Um, in that we're not asking a non-hunter why they accept hunting or why they're okay with hunting. Rather, we're asking that non-hunter what their perspective is on hunting. And that perspective is going to be shaped by the hunter that is in their lives. And so my wife's perspective is shaped by me and, and how I hunt and what hunting means to me. Um, I will say that we have stories about ranching and conservation. We have stories about uh, a, a lady that was a potentially going to be a field trialing champion that got put in a wheelchair because of Lyme disease. We are going to have a Pakistani-American, first-generation Pakistani-American, who is the most avid duck hunter that you will find. And he lives in Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's diverse. Right. And then we're going to end the season. We've already let the cat out the bag a little bit. Um, we're going to end the season with Jim Shockey. Yeah, I see. I was thinking that. I seen that in one of your Facebook posts. Uh, you had a pic of him on there, and I was thinking uh -huh. he was coming. I'm excited about that, man. That that guy's a legend. You know what I mean? Definite yep. legend. Did you? Did you get to hang out with him for quite a while then? And feel, have you filmed it yet? Yeah. Or? Yeah, we filmed it. We went up to Vancouver Island, and um, yeah, hell of a story. Hell of a story. Great guy. Uh, met his family, um, just met his whole team. His whole team was incredible. Um, and we filmed it right there in his backyard. Not his backyard, but backyard Vancouver Island. Um, that's what that's the place that's meaningful to him. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to get these new episodes. So when when do you release episodes? Is it just uh, we try to release episode every two weeks? Every two weeks. So we try to drop a little piece of content every two weeks. Um, in between those two weeks, in season two, you're going to see some additional content. And I'm actually going to use your podcast, if you don't mind, uh, as a sort of call to action. Um, we started this podcast talking about me sort of issuing a challenge to you guys. You guys are about to start filming. And obviously your audience, a lot of your audience, well, I would say every person on your, in your audience has an iPhone that they can film with. Uh, some of them may be doing their own film. Yeah, actually would, a lot of them are. It's insane how many comments we get about, you know, questions and stuff. A lot of, uh, what was that poll we seen? 90% of hunters take a video camera <laughs> over, in the woods. I think, I think Jordan, it was on Jordan's episode. He yeah. said over 85% of people to 85% of hunters take a camera. Take some kind of filming device. Right. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, what I would ask is next time everybody's going out in the woods and hunting, Blood Origins is looking for content. We're looking for 5 to 15 second clips that demonstrates what hunting means to you. We don't need audio. 
We just want the visual. We want the visual of what hunting means to you. Maybe it's you staring at a sunset and, and admiring the sunset. Maybe it's you chasing your boy across a field. Maybe it's you working your dog. Maybe it's you training with a backpack because you're about to go on a big elk hunt in the West. I want, we want good hunting content about what hunting means to you. I do not want kill shots. I don't want grip and grins. I want everything but that. And the reason being is that, and I don't know when this podcast is going to drop, but next week we're dropping a, a piece of content that we have filmed specifically for season two. And every episode will have it. And you will see in this piece of content, we wrap into or underneath this montage of what hunting means to that individual. And so it's going to be an exceptional piece of content. And I think what that content is going to do is it's going to connect with so many people because it explains to somebody from a viewpoint of, uh, one of our episodes, why the Blood Origins Project is important to the hunting community. And embedded within that response is this montage of video content. Yeah, I've seen your release. you release. You released that on your Facebook page, right? Where you said you were looking for content. Was that Facebook or Instagram? Yeah, both. both. But yeah, but yeah, I've seen that. And then I got a, I got a short video of uh, my oldest son walking up on a shed that we found on public ground and I was gonna chop it up and send it into you um that's like the most memorable moment that I have in the outdoors now you know is him finding you know a really nice shed with me and how excited he was you know I put him down and there was there was no prompts at all I go what'd you find he goes I found a monster shed (laughs) (laughs) I was like that was perfect response you know I figured he's going to say, it, fine. yeah, I'll send it. and uh, uh, I'll, I'll hook up with you on Instagram and, and chop that up for you a little bit and send it. So Perfect, perfect. But, yeah, everybody out there, whoever's listening to this, send it, man. Um, you know, we'll obviously have my details at the end of this podcast, but it's, it's, it's just a way to showcase us as a community. And I think the vision that we have for what we're trying to produce, and, and we'll tag everybody in it so everybody will be acknowledged for their content. In our, under our platform, we're not just going to be asking for people's content and not acknowledging their content. Uh, but it shows, and that's, I, I, I like that idea of tagging the people in the actual content, because then you see these different people from different places, from the UK, from South Africa, from Australia, from all across America, and all of their footage is side by side. That's going to be about sweet. what hunting means to them. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Fine. Well... Go ahead and let the people know where they can find Blood Origin episodes and then any uh, contact information you want to give to our listeners. Um, what I just got to shout out one guy on this episode. So the reason I found you was I found Blood Origins was we be, we have became friends just because of this podcast with a guy from Mississippi named Justin Duncan. Guy is incredible. He's hilarious. <laughs> He's become a guy that we text um, every day. Uh, the dude is, he's outrageous. You know, he's just like, he just loves life, always, always happy. But he, I think he Snapchatted us one of your videos. He's like, I'm so excited about this release, you know, because he's from Mississippi. So 
I checked it out, but I just wanted to shout him out before we ended it because he's the reason that we're having this podcast now. He don't even know it, you know, but if he would have never sent that Snapchat, I may have found you. I may not have found you. You know, it's funny how stuff plays out. And now we have an awesome friendship and now hopefully a friendship with you. At least I'm going to be following you, you know, so I get to hear the backstories yeah, yeah. and that all started from a, a Snapchat, you know, mm-hmm. so I just wanted to shout Justin out, but go ahead and hit him with where they can find the episodes and uh, where, what contact information. Well, I appreciate Justin, too. He's interacted with me uh, on Facebook, too, so I'll give him a shout-out, too. Um, I think Justin is trying to do something similar. He's also passionate about storytelling, so uh, shout-out to him. Yeah, so anywhere, you just type in Blood Origins, at Blood Origins on Instagram, at Blood Origins on Facebook, bloodorigins.com, Blood Origins on YouTube, uh, we've got the corner market on Blood Origins. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. We'll uh, we'll make sure and share all those quick links when we release the episode. And then what I'll probably end up doing is I'll probably share Cuz's episode uh, a couple days before Perfect. release release this. Because that, I mean, I don't know. If someone doesn't like that episode, I, I, don't, I have no idea how you can't be human and not like that. You know right. what I mean? So, but where, when, uh, you want them to send those video clips to Instagram and Facebook Messenger and stuff like that, or no? Actually, if they could go to the website, they'll connect us into the web. They'll connect us into my email address, and uh, but they can. They can reach out to us on Facebook, on Instagram, and from there, what we'll do is we'll just exchange email addresses to get high resolution videos. Um, but yeah, any content that anybody has, send it, man, because that just I. This idea is a crazy idea, but for it to work, and Cody, you are, I, I, I'm going to use you as an example. For it to work, I need people to send us the content. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Step one. Yeah, I mean, I think like maybe Step here one. maybe here in this podcast, you know, I think like me, I was like, oh, I could send this in, but you don't like, is this really what this guy's wanting or, you know, what? You know, is he going to use it? But yeah, step one, I want to send that. Um, just send it. I'm on it. That's kind of our motto on this podcast is just just send it. So I'm, we'll be shouting that out to send some clips. Uh, I think you'll get some few a few from from some podcast close friends that we've got from there. So awesome! That'll be great. All right, man. We can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been top. One of the top episodes yeah. I've we've ever done. It's probably number one. I mean, this is <laughs> this has been a lot of fun, man. It, a lot of we got deep, man. We, we got we got deep, but I like that, and that's kind of that's your style, man. You like to get deep and get in there and and get the get yeah. the emotion out, you know. And you're good at it. You got the emotion out of me, that's man. That's hard to do. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, yeah, we've got uh, a friend of mine down here, Mississippi. Um, his name's BC Rogers. Uh, he, he's the co-owner of a company called Ren Ivy. He's like, man, Robbie, why are you so serious all the time? And I said, I'm not, but when it comes to this topic, man, somebody has to be serious. You know, somebody has to take the bull by the horns and, and be passionate about it and, and just, you know, and just drive to the core of who we are. That's what the project's about, man. So thank you guys. Thank you for reaching out. Uh, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. It's well past my bedtime. But um, <laughs> I, I, again, thank you for reaching out. Stay in touch. Um, yeah, just thank you. 
appreciate it. All right, man. We won't keep you any longer. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your night. Yeah, buddy. All right, guys. We love you. Keep hitting that play button. Watch the legacy out.